Welcome to the Family Finance Show with Diana Granu, proudly brought to you by Old Mutual. This podcast is your weekly guide to effective budgeting, planning, and future-proofing of your family's finances. Because money matters to every family, and every family matters at Old Mutual. Enjoy the show. My name is Diana, and this is the Family Finance Show, the podcast to help you manage your family's finances better. Every week, we share an episode on topics relating to increasing your family's income and managing expenses, controlling your debt, and investing for the future. Today, we have Warren Ingram back on the show to talk about how to become your own financial advisor. Welcome back to the Family Finance Show, Warren. Thanks, Diana. It's great to be on the show again, and I love the topic. Of course, it's close to my heart. Yes, indeed. So the topic today is how to be your own financial advisor. I was thinking about this topic and thought it's it's probably possible for most people to be their own financial advisor. But I thought it was good to start with the, um, the cases or the instances where you might actually need a, a proper financial advisor. So in my travel business, um, I give people advice and I tailor make holidays for them. And of course, it's very easy to do it yourself and create your own holiday in South Africa. There's so much information available online and guidebooks, but still people want someone to help them create a holiday. And I think it's it's something quite similar with financial advice. There have to be some instances or some times in your life where you should get proper financial advice. Do you agree? Yeah, I think so. I think it's, uh, if you look at the world of, um, of insurance, for example, it, it probably gives us quite a nice example of how life unfolds. You know, so you know, probably about 33% or so of, of of people are happy to go to a direct insurer, you know, go, go through all, the, all the, the process of insuring their car or their house or, or whatever it is on their own and and got no no issue with it. And, they, and if there's a claim, they sort it out themselves. And, and then on the other end of the spectrum, there's probably another 33% or so who, who are never going to do a deal direct. You know, they're, they're going to try and get someone to help them with every step of the way from signing up to to the end you know to, to making sure that that, that they're looked after and and then I think there's a, that middle grouping of another third of, of, of people who say well you know for some things I'm really happy to make my own decisions do my own research and 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 implement my own work but but there are times when I feel out of my depth or when I feel I need a sounding board or, or some kind of a you know a coach in, 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 if you will and and I think that that's very much around the the, the financial planning market there's probably one third of everybody in, in the world will have the time, uh, want to take the, 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 the do their own homework and make the effort of actually doing everything themselves. And, and certainly, there's no reason why they can't. There's enough information. But but for for the rest of uh, the, the world's population, that you know, two thirds of them, there'll be people that will want a little bit of advice to a lot of advice and a lot of handholding and, and you know and everything in between. And so your book is about this very topic. Um, I remember the first two books that you wrote, um, How to Make a First Million and How to Be Your Own Financial Advisor, were the only personal finance books I'd read for years and years. And I think that was because they contained everything I needed to know. Now that I'm doing the podcast, obviously I have to read a lot more about personal finance. But this particular book, How to Be Your Own Financial Advisor, covers pretty much everything, all the facts, all the things that you need to look at if you wanted to manage your family's finances 
by yourself. So we can't go into everything here on the show. We only have a 20 minutes for the podcast, but perhaps you can start by giving us just a bird's eye view of financial planning and what are the kind of categories of things that people need to think about if they are doing their own financial planning. So, so I think the, the starting point is, is for everybody. You need to have some kind of a game plan for your money. I think it's probably the most important message to, to, to anybody wanting to take control of their financial affairs, especially families. And, and, a, you know, and a game plan doesn't need to be an academic thesis where, you know, that's, that's thousands of pages long. It could literally be on one page, uh, you know, on, on one A4 page or one page on a computer where you just set out the goals for, for what you want to do in your life and how, how that relates to, to your finances and, and then what are the steps that you need to take to get there? And, and so I think that that would, would be my very first comment is just understand what it is that you want to do. Where are you going? You know, it's, it's, a, it's kind of like if we use the driving analogy, it's, it's all good and well that you get in your car and you say, I want to go on a journey. But, but if you don't even know that you want to drive to Cape Town, then, then you're going to end up anywhere. And, and that's the problem. And I think that's how a lot of people actually manage their money. So, so I think my very first comment, you know, from a bird's eye point of view would be make sure you've got a clear direction and, and then you look at how your finances fit into that. And, and I think maybe there are three kind of broad areas. So, so the one is uh, you need to have a, a plan and an understanding of what your, what your income and your expenses are. So, so just understanding what comes into the family budget on a monthly basis and, and then what goes out on a monthly basis and making sure that, that you, if you can, that you've got a little bit more being saved than, than, than is being spent because that's, you know, that's the starting point to all of this. And, and then if you don't, what's the game plan? How do you get to the point where you've got enough money coming in so that you can pay for your expenses and you can, uh, you can save something? And I think attached to that is probably then some kind of a debt plan. You know, I think that it's, you know, the, the, the South Africa is no different to the rest of the world where most working people have a problem with debt. And, and so it's a case of saying, well, just understanding, you know, at the moment, what are your debts? And then secondly, what's your plan to get out of debt? You know, and, and understanding that, for example, if you only owe 10,000 Rand on your credit card and you owe a million Rand on your mortgage, it might be tempting to say, well, let me get rid of the mortgage first because it's a bigger amount of money. But actually understanding that your credit card is much more expensive than your than your mortgage, and so that should be the thing that you get rid of first. So, so I think that that's a, a great you know a, a great starting point is understanding what comes into your your family finances, what goes out on a monthly basis. Then how do you sort out the, the, the debt problem if you have one, and and, and most people do. And, and then it's a case of saying. How do we start to build up our investments so that one day we get to the point where we've got enough money uh, invested that can generate an income to cover our expenses? And, and that's probably the last step in the, in, in the process. And it's, I think where it gets most of the attention, when in, whenever someone writes a book or does a talk about money, you know, they, they tend to focus on the, on the investment side of it because it's exciting and lots to talk about. But, but truthfully, the biggest part of, I think, of any kind of financial planning process is Understanding what you spend, understanding what you earn, and and then making sure that you that you start to put money aside every single day of every single month of every single year. 
So maybe to spend just a little bit more time on that uh, um, starting point that you, you spoke about, understanding what you earn and understanding what you spend. There's something called the savings ratio. So um, maybe you could talk a little bit about how you calculate that savings ratio and what is a good rule of thumb for what that should be? Or does that, again, depend on your own personal circumstances and your goals for your financial plan? It's, it's one of the questions I get asked the most. So, so to, to, to give you a, maybe a range is probably a good idea. You know, so I think everybody, uh, when, they are, when they are building up to financial freedom, at the very least, you need to save about 15% of what you earn on a monthly basis. So, so what is that? So for every 100 rand that you are paid before tax, you should set aside 15 rand a month into your savings. And, and just to be clear, that's not your savings for the holiday fund, the car fund, the shoe fund, or the handbag fund, or whatever it is that you, you spend your money on. This is for your long-term financial freedom goal. And, and as an absolute minimum, to me, that's that's what what everybody should be saving. Uh, and then if you say to yourself, well, actually, you know, I don't want to work until I'm 65 uh, because I have to. You know, I'd, I'd like to be able to get to a financial freedom age earlier than 65, let's say 45 then you're going to need to save more than 15 rand out of every 100. And, and to me, the, the, probably the most realistic goal would be somewhere around 30 to you know, 35 rand out of every 100 uh, that, that you save. And if you can get that right and you do that all the time, then you're going to be sure of, of, of getting to some kind of a goal of financial freedom a lot earlier than age 65 and, and certainly you know, potentially at, at you know, 55 or 45. And what about um, other things that people need to consider with regards to their finances, especially for families? So insurance in South Africa, medical insurance is quite important. I feel that life insurance is important because you don't, if for families particularly, you don't want to leave your children and your spouse destitute if you are the only income earner and you die. Um, some of those kind of things that you also need to factor into your uh, financial plan. Absolutely, I think it's a um, it's it's actually a, a brilliant point. You know, I think life insurance has a terrible reputation uh, for two reasons: one, because people have have been ripping off uh, clients for years and years and years, and secondly, it's always a grudge purchase. You know, we um, I think when we start out in life, we, we it's a, it's an impossible concept in our minds that that something bad could happen to us or we could die. So so it's something we always think well. You know, I'm just throwing this money away. It's never going to be needed, and it's never going to have a benefit. And so, a lot of people either pay it because they're forced to by their companies, or or, or their, their spouses force them into it, or uh, they don't pay it because they just think they're never going to, nothing's ever going to go wrong. And, and I and I think you're 100 percent right. You know, it's a, it is a necessary uh, expense, and it is something that that people should focus on. And 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 particularly, you know, if for example, if you're single. And you've got no dependents, and you know you, you own nothing, and you just earn money. You know, then, then maybe you, you you might be one of the very few people in the world that do, that doesn't need life insurance. But if you have a family and you've got uh, you know children, and they're financially dependent on you, even if you're one of two breadwinners in a family, that that doesn't mean, for example, that that you shouldn't have life insurance. Because the point is, if you pass away, and then your your partner who's left behind has to bear the cost of 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 raising children, uh, providing for, for accommodation, you know, a house or rent or whatever it is, paying off any debts that might have been incurred if there's a car debt or, or home loan or something like that. And, and so life insurance in that instance is an absolute necessity. And I don't think it's a, a choice people should be making. You know, rather sacrifice on, 
on going out or you know having extra coffees or something like that but don't sacrifice on on insurances and it is it is something that a lot of people just do and, and I think it's a really bad decision so I think you're right I think that's a good call uh, the, the other one then is definitely in an environment where your public health sector is in a shambles and, and extremely unreliable you definitely want to to try if you can afford it to, to pay for insurance that, that helps you in the event that you need to go to hospital or your, your spouse needs to go to hospital or you know your kids need to go get care and and so some kind of at the very least some kind of a hospital plan if not a, a medical aid I, I think is a, is is additionally a, a very good and and just worthy expense uh, for, for for anybody you know I just can't in my mind, uh, see myself not having medical aid and then saying to my wife when she needs an operation, look, you know, you're going to have to go queue in, in, in the public service sector and, and hope that you, you get looked after. Uh, to me, it's something that one needs to take care of. And then the last form of insurance is, you know, for, for example, if you drive your car uh, for work, you know, I mean, you know I, know, I know we're living in the post-COVID world and everyone thinks working from home is the reality, but, but if, you, you know, if you need to get to a place of work to earn an income, then that means you need your car and that means that you need to insure your car because what happens if you finance your car and you have an accident and you don't have insurance, you now owe money to the bank and you don't have a car and that's a disaster scenario. Or you you, can't, you have a car crash, you're not insured and you write off someone else's very expensive car. The, 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 the reality is that you now owe that insurance company a lot of money for their car and you might have written off your car as well. So, so I do think you need to insure your stuff, especially the stuff that helps you earn an income and then your life and your health and then your medical expenses, uh, you know, for, for those horrible times when, when life deals you a blow that you haven't planned for. Yeah, I remember my first paycheck, I had to, um, the first job I had, I had to have a car. It was a, requir- a requirement of the employment contract so I could get to clients. And we had, to, I had to have a car and so I had to have insurance. And I remember what a grudge purchase that was for me. It was just uh, this amount of money that went off my account every month that I just hated. But as soon as I had my first accident, my first and only accident in Johannesburg, I um, I really was so happy that I'd, I had that insurance. So until until you need it you don't actually know the value of it so um, yeah good advice for people if you can afford insurance it's it's really good to get and then the last one I just wanted to touch on was was wills so in families um, and going back to life insurance uh, if you do die and you are the main income earner your family needs to um, to have money to survive to live on to pay for your children's education and a will is really important because if you die interstate without a will, it can take a really long time to wind up the estate. In fact, even if you, um, even if you, if you have a will, sometimes it can take a really long time. But what do you suggest for a wills around families? I, I think it's. Uh, I, I saw a stat the other day saying that you know only three out of every ten adults in South Africa have a will, uh, and, and to me. Um, you know, it should almost be law that, you know, that you have a will because, you know, you might say, well, look, I'm young and I don't have a lot of stuff and, and you know, like my, my family can, can figure out what they know what I want to happen to my money. Uh, the problem is that if you die without a will and you've got a uh, family and, it, you know, it, it could be your parents, it doesn't just have to be that you've got children or a spouse, uh, you, all you're doing is you're leaving behind an incredible headache for them that they've got to deal with. So, so you're leaving behind a serious mess and, and I think it's it's one of those things that people don't t- tend to think about very much and and to me it's an absolute non-negotiable you have to have a will to make sure that you can uh, you can be be clear on where your 
where your assets are going to be distributed, how they're going to be distributed. And, and more importantly, for example, if you've got children, who's going to look after your children? You know, it's something young parents tend to say, well, you know, if, if they're 25 years old and they've got children, don't, well, don't worry, I'll just, you know, my, my parents can, can look after my kids, which, which I often think is a terrible idea because what that means is you're going to have a 65-year-old or 70-year-old, uh, you know, grandparent looking after, let's say, a 15, you know, 20-year-old, uh, and, and, and the, the generation gap is now times by two, and all you've done is left behind, you know, incredible mess to 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 both the, the children and the, the the grandparents, and no no one wins out of that. So so to me, you have to be absolutely clear about who's going to look after your children financially, what happens to your assets, so that your children are looked after, and 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 it's it's things that you have to apply our minds to. You know, unfortunately, you know that that's one of the lessons from COVID is that the unexpected can happen to any of us at any time. And then you add things like car accidents and the like, you know, life unfortunately is risky and rather plan for these eventualities and hope, hope that they, they only happen very late in life than, than don't plan for it and it hits you next week. And, and I think to me, get, getting a will is an absolutely critical point. And I'd probably defer if I'm going to get a will, I'll happily pay a lawyer to help me draft a will, make sure that it's done correctly, um, you know, then go and get a free will from a stationery shop, you know, or copy my, my friend's will and, and hope that everything's fine. Because to, to me, wills, they, they're not super complicated, but there are a, a few technicalities and a few legalities that have to be taken care of. And if those aren't sorted out, there's a good chance that your will is invalid. And, and then it's as if you've, you've died without a will. And, and so, you know, make sure that it's something that is done properly. And if you put somebody as a guardian for your children on the world, don't forget to ask them too. You don't want them to be surprised that they they mentioned as your children's guardian if you pass away. So that's a something to remember too. And, and I also think uh, it's a, it's actually a discussion that needs to be had with everybody. So especially mm. parents uh, with young children, you need to you need to speak to your own parents as well to to tell them, look, you're not going to be. The legal guardians of my kids, you know, of your grandchildren. You, it'll be someone younger. This is who it is. Of course, we want you know to, you to continue and be involved in in our children's lives, but but you're not going to be the person. I think those are tough discussions to have, and they should be discussed uh, you know openly and clearly in a transparent way. And rather get any potential fights out of the way while you're alive, that then uh, you know leave it to the poor guardian of the children to now have to go through either a legal battle or just a you know, really unpleasant situation where they're grappling with you know, upset grandparents who've just lost a child and now believe that they should be the, the legal guardians of, of the grandchildren. It's stuff that it's a mess you don't want to leave behind. It's something you know you should feel responsibility to, 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 to sort out in, in, in your time while you're alive and, and applying your mind to it. And just to wrap up, Warren, what would what would your advice be to people who want to take charge of their own financial life, that they want to be their own financial advisor, they want to get everything in order? Where do they start? What what advice would you have for them? I, I think it starts with uh, with just understanding what you have today. So what you know, if you've got investments, what are they? Do a bit of homework on, on, on understanding how they how they should grow. What are the what are the potential losses that they're going to incur when times are bad? Make sure you've got a good spending plan for for you know what comes into your into your fi- family finances and what goes out, uh, and and then importantly you know be slow to act. You know I, I don't think you know I think a lot of people are, are very quick to just take action when something goes wrong, where or they read a news article and and they just want to change their whole position because they've you know someone said it on a on a radio show or a podcast or whatever. I think be slow to act, do your homework, 
And, and as you said at the start, you know, read more than one book, you know, read a few books and read a few different books by different authors just to get an idea of what's going on. You know, there's some good principles out there that, that can help guide you on, on ways to make decisions. And, and then lastly, uh, you know, don't be afraid to ask for guidance when you need it. You know, the best, the best sportsmen and the best business people in the world, uh, you know, they, they often make use of a coach from time to time. And, and it's no shame at all to be able to say, you know, I need to just spend an hour um, or pay someone for an hour just to get them to look at what I'm doing and make sure that, that I'm going on the right track. You know, that's, that, you know that, that might be money that's very well spent. So, so I think, you know, it's, it's certainly something that, that people can do. Just make sure you put the homework in and, and you take your time to understand what's going on and, and then be considered and be measured. Don't be rash with your, your financial decisions. But most importantly, save money every single month of every single year and, and I'm sure you'll get there to, to your financial freedom goals. Well, thanks for that encouraging advice and thanks so much for your time today on the Family Finance Show, Warren. My pleasure. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to stay on the journey to improving your family's financial well-being. Thank you for listening to The Family Finance Show with Diana Granu, proudly brought to you by Old Mutual. The time is now to own your financial future. Visit oldmutual.co.za for more great advice, articles, free budgeting tools and calculators.